welcome to the Flicky Podcast, where even good movies get bad reviews. I am your host, Chris, and I am with uh, the star of the Flicky Podcast, John. How are you Hi. doing, John? I'm doing great. We're doing good? All right. Uh, so we're going to be reviewing Being the Ricardos. Yep. You, you heard the trepidation in my voice, because <laughs> I'm not sure if I really want to go through with this, because... It's uh, a little less than mediocre, I would say, this movie is. Yeah. It's it, not insanely bad like Cliffhanger. It's, it's not like that, but it's not a good movie. No, well, it's an interesting movie to talk about because yeah. um, it's written by a very famous and very talented writer yes. in Aaron Sorkin, also directed by Aaron Sorkin, which is yes. relevant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely so, relevant because he's not a good director. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, before we go into that, though... Uh, I just there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, one, we're probably not going to review the movie, but uh-huh. I saw the French Dispatch. Okay, okay. what do you think? It's on it's on HBO Max. So anyone who's listening to this, you know, go on HBO Max. It'll take at an hour and forty minutes. Re- at time, the time of recording. Of this it's going to be on. It's, it's on HBO on. Max. Yeah, because it's uh, well, it's but HBO Max will be around for a hundred years. So yeah, and I, it's a fo- it was a Fox Searchlight <coughs> film. So even if it gets off HBO Max, it's going to wind up on Disney Plus at some point. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. It's not a bad movie. Okay. I like it. But I'm going to criticize it for this this reason. Uh-huh. It's the most Wes Andersonist movie. Is it? He's ever done. And it's it's almost to the point of like self-parody, self-indulgence and self-referential. It, it Really? So it's like yeah. almost like he's tr- he's using all of his tricks. Yeah, and it's so dense. The yeah. movie's dense, and is it over edited? No, I haven't seen the film, so you, you say that. I want to say that. I'm, no. ima- I'm imagining like it's the Wes shots. Anderson cuts. It's no, it's mostly just how he frames his shots. Cons- it's that it's how he does that thing and the movement of the camera. Yeah, and the, then the close-ups and, and the, the panning. Uh, it's constant, and you know the same people who like love him. Oh yeah, and don't get me wrong, I love him. Like. The Royal Tenenbaums and the Grand Budapest Hotel are some of my favorite movies. Yeah, I yeah. love them. I love Wes Anderson's films. But so I read a, I read it's a, getting nuts. I read a, a, com- a comment online once that said, "Wes Anderson movies are for autistic white <laughs> losers," and I was like, "That's kind of accurate." Okay, I guess. so the uh, people who criticize ACDC for sounding the same love Wes Anderson yeah. because it's about quirky, stupid bohemians. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which I can identify with because I'm kind of a quirky, stupid bohemian. But, like, it, it's just getting to the point where, you know, Hitchcock had – you know, every great filmmaker has their hallmarks. Yeah. And they have certain things that they do in almost every single one of their movies. Yeah, they got a they have style. They have a style, exactly. a signature, and, you exactly. know, but things they, they like to do. There's things within these different movies that are different. It's now getting to the point where it's like, okay – how can I it was it's like Wes Anderson looks at it and he's like, How can I do this times ten? Right. So his idea of updating it or continuing or uh what's the word? Expanding his artistry is just to do whatever he yes. is already doing and do it more. Yes, it's to like That's look at a scale is. And then yeah. he's going to take a fucking anvil to the other side of the scale and be like, right. That's it. That's my style. Yeah. This is like it. an architect makes a, a really nice church yeah and 
he's like, what am I going to do for my it's next It's like project? Barcelona. And he design, he just designs a, a much bigger version of the same exact church. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, like, this sounds like I'm hating on him and I'm hating on the film. I'm not – it's not actually a bad film. It's pretty good. The, the problem is that it's three stories and it's uh-huh. very loosely connected because they're, they're about articles uh, within a fake news uh, – a fake uh, I gotcha. magazine. So it's three vignettes essentially? That are loosely connected. Okay. And so there's no, like, there's no real theme either. Like, what are you trying to say with this movie? What are you trying to yeah. do with this movie? The, like I said, you have the plots within the three parts – Mm-hmm. But what's going on? Yeah. Uh, well, and I'm sorry we're not. I, I just had to talk about this. Yeah. We... Well, that's a that's a good segue because I feel like that's <sighs> one of the main problems with being the Ricardos. Yeah. Is this movie doesn't know what it wants to be? No. No. It doesn't. <laughs> that's that is the major gripe I have with this movie as well. Yeah. It's almost like, and this is this was my thought when I was watching the film. Yeah. First off, the whole. Uh, communist angle is Mm -hmm. seems like this kind of lazy one this lazy framing device for Mm -hmm. the film uh Mm -hmm. and two it's almost like you know sorkin can't fucking help himself going like he you know he spent his whole career writing about politics yes um and politically political situations which great he's got he's got a lot of great movies that he's written um but it's Almost like he can't um, – what's the word? He, he can't handle the idea or doesn't seem to believe in the idea that this can – that the stakes can just be about a TV show and a star and her marriage. I agree. So Like it's like I this has to be more important than it is. Yeah. So we have to do this under the umbrella of communism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the communist Red Scare and McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. And which now elevates this story to a more important level than it actually is when it was really just uh, a, a bunch of nothing. I mean, essentially nothing happened out of, uh, out of it. So uh, this uh, this story, it was a baby of his. He's been trying to get this made for uh, like 20-something years because he wow, loves okay. I Love Lucy. And he hasn't been able to get the funding for it. I'm going to say right now the first seven drafts of this script because he's probably written it. And overwritten it, you know, right. all constantly, which is fine. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, sure. I don't feel like he had the Lucille Ball is a red communist in the original drafts. I yeah. when I when I was watching this movie, I'm like, this is a ham fisted wig of him of him trying to like talk about cancel culture a little bit. You think that's so? how it felt? Yeah, that's how it felt to me a little bit. Yeah, <clears throat> and and like you said, he just can't go without making some kind of allegory to like politics because like every single time he goes outside of that he fails miserably whatever right. any project he's ever done where it's not a political something well, with in, involved in it i'll i'll give fails. a uh, <clears throat> i'll give a exception to that as i think is steve jobs i think he, but that's that's a historical okay. person that yeah. and the framing device in that really works i mean it's just a t- but that's a tight film with a very talented and director also and danny was, boyle and he was I think hired to do that. It's different. That's when, true. It's That's different true. when a studio goes to You're a writer right. and director and hires them You're rather right. than him saying, "Oh, this is my project that I really yeah. want to do." So, uh, I see what you're saying. I, I get because what you're I, I think Steve Jobs. He does I mean, again. He only wrote it, but it's a really tight focus on mm-hmm. we are 
following the journey of this man and learning who he is as he learns about himself. Yeah, and you it's a good mean? book too if you ever read the book. That yeah, Walter Isaacson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, which, it's a which book. he uh, read and essentially like uh, adapted, sort of, I guess, in a screenplay. Sorkin's a better adapter than his yeah. own stuff. I mean, the social social network is one of the best scripts ever. Yeah, great script. That's you know, another, it's another one. Talk about a, a pairing you didn't think would work. Right. It it works though. But to my point, this is what I mean. Where he doesn't have to make Steve Jobs political because Steve Jobs is such an obviously important figure. Yeah. In our lives and culture, you know what I mean? Like the stakes. And he's are, interesting. And he's a fascinating person. I mean, the guy was an asshole, but fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so the stakes are there. Yeah. Social network. I mean, you're talking about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, future billionaire, yeah. one of those powerful. And people making in the comments country. about like middle class people and exactly. Upper and upper so the, so the stakes are inherent. With being the Ricardos, it's like, well, at the end of the day, this uh, again, I'm just trying to read this uh, guy's mind a, l- a little, which by the is way, always a failure. Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz are interesting people. Yes, and they kind of—I don't want to mean to cut you and off. And yeah, yeah, like I'm going with like the interesting people. And the relationship thing. is very yeah. interesting. Even and after they like, got divorced, we don't even it was talk interesting. About it. Like they had two kids. They stayed really good friends after. Like he was a. Yeah. It, it, they had a fascinating working relationship, and mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of that. You see a lot of that in the film. Yeah. Uh, but to that point, it, it, it's like that wasn't enough for him. That that's what it felt it's like with the movie to me. It just wasn't enough. It, it has to be something more. He, w- when you watch this movie, and w- actually the one thing that I actually like about this movie is that he hires a lot of sitcom actors. If you you know watch a lot of like the guys in it. So you have um, Tony Hale. You have Tony Hale, uh, the girl from Arrested Development. What's her name? She's the no. female writer. Uh, yeah, uh, um, the cousin. I don't know the actress's yeah, exactly. name. I know, I know you're talking then about. And gu- she's good. She's a good actress. Yeah, and then the guy, he was in well, the that, last couple funny. seasons of The Both Office. Both of them are in Arrested Development. That's funny. Yeah. Tony Hale. Yeah, and then the other stupid writer, the guy who she fights with, he's in The Office for like the last two or yeah. three seasons. He yeah, winds he, up, he winds up with Ellie Kemper. He's also in White Lotus. Oh, is he? He's one of the stars of White Lotus, okay. and he's very he's very good in that. It's but like, like a preppy jerk off. If you watch a sitcom, sitcoms are usually twenty three to twenty five minutes long, mm-hmm. and you have your A script and your B script, and they uh, wind up commingling at some points within the story. Right. Uh, so in being the Ricardos, you had the A story, right? You had the B story, and then you have a C story. And it winds up yeah. getting all convoluted, so, which makes – we don't know what this movie is well, about. What is this movie really about? Well, let's go through uh, – I think there, I think we're getting into D, E, and F stories, dude. It's like great. we have – so l- let's try to go in order. There's the communist thing. Which opens the movie, which opens which makes you think this – it, oh, it bookends the movie. It bookends. Right. Which makes you think this is the most important thing of what the movie's about, and it's not. Not. And that's why it's that's why this is a poorly written script, by the way. Yeah, it's poorly written. Well, and and it's uh, and then there's <clears throat> it even end the way it ends. To your point, ends on a Deus Ex Machina, Deus Ex Machina, yeah. where it's like he gets Hoover on the phone, which we just, it happens off screen. So the head fed. Hoover says the day like the voice of God. J. Edgar Hoover, could you explain to me who this is? <laughs> Andrea Gahova. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's innocent. <laughs> yeah. and like, everyone buys it hook, line, and sinker. Like, yeah, that's him, all right. Yeah. That's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what was the point? How do we know it's so, not, yeah. like, it could have been an actor? But again, it's it's this, and Sorkin does have a tendency to do this where it seems like he just writes till he finds a dramatic pulse in a scene. 
It's like he needed a dramatic pulse for the table read in scene two. Yeah, which, why, by the way, all that shit he steals from his – you know Masterclass, right? Yeah. So I have bought in Masterclasses. I've watched And they have classes. actually helped. They've helped me yeah. write. They've helped – like, I can't I, shit yeah. on them too much. But, like, the fact that he uses his own Masterclass thing as, like, a way to write being the Ricardos, I'm like – Wait, can, can you elaborate on that? The table reads and how he has it gone by – like, and you watch being the Ricardos, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's his Masterclass. Oh, really? And I'm just like, oh, God. That's kind of interesting. I don't mind that. Too uh, I was just like, uh, you think it's hacky or you think it's lazy? Honestly, I just shit on Wes Anderson for being self-referential. Right. So like, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. I'm just like, ah. yeah, but it's just that table read scene, which there's a, I mean, you know, when I see, I thought that scene was not well acted like okay. that open the table read. Okay. But every actor in that scene is a great actor. It's not a ba- it's actually a pretty well acted re- movie. I can't. No, 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 it is overall, all good. but I'm just talking so my point being that that scene it's like Nina Ariadne, I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, yeah. plays Ethel. Yeah. Great actress, JK Simmons, great actor, Javier Bardem, great actor, Nicole Kidman, great actress, Tony Hale, um the girl from Arrested Development plays mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> and like but it's awkward. Like the editing yeah. seems awkward. So anytime and what I was see the real tension well, th- this is l- – let me get to that. So <laughs> anytime I see a scene with a group of clearly highly talented, highly trained, highly experienced actors, mm-hmm. and no one's really doing a good job in this scene particularly because mm-hmm. uh, overall they do a good job, um, I'm like, there's something wrong with this scene. These mm-hmm. are, this isn't the actor's fault. Mm-hmm. This is the dialogue. This is the uh, the editing. This is the stakes. There's something incongruent that my – that. I, I can't put my finger on that. I'm like, this isn't working. Yeah. And the actors, you know, you know what I got out of that scene? I got that. Everyone hates each other. That's what I got out of that scene. That's all. That's really it. But also they don't, they don't hate each other. Everyone's an asshole to each other. Yeah. They're all assholes, but they don't hate each other. It's like, (laughs) it's like playful ribbing. But again, to the point where like, uh, trying to find the, the stakes for that scene. Mm -hmm. It's like, he needed that opener with the communism thing. Yeah. Because it has to bleed into the scene, and now this scene is about the preceding scene. Yeah. Otherwise, this table read is just saying. a table read. Yeah. So, like, he had to find the dramatic the, the, pulse before the scene and then the just jam cloud. it into the yeah. table read scene. Yeah. Now this scene is about her, like, this uh, fraught elephant in the room of, uh, yeah, we might not have a show tonight or mm-hmm. tomorrow, and we might lose our our whole careers because of McCarthyism. Yeah. You know, so, so again, if that works, l- <laughs> let me backtrack. That works if that's what the movie's about. Yeah, but it's not about that. Nope. And I wonder. I mean, I'll, I'll take the ad- devil's advocate position. Let's just make shit up about how Sorkin wrote this thing. <laughs> Maybe he started with the communism thing. And then when he went and wrote it, and maybe he realized, like, man, there's not a lot here. I can't really justify. It's a short film. It's a student film. Yeah. I can't justify making this movie about her being a potential McCarthy item being smeared that way because it kind of just went away. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. It was like an article yeah. and an interview. And, and then someone like, wrote a fake article about it, and that's really it. Yeah. That's what, that ha- that's what happens. And, like, she was – 
the I mean, she says it in the film. She because uh, it, it was it an NBC show, CBS, CBS. Sorry, CBS. It, she was like a third of CBS's revenue or something. Like, yeah, they were so powerful that yeah. like unless they had her dead to rights. Not only CBS, she, Philip Morris too. Right, right. Because Philip Morris, she was she was the biggest asset for two huge companies. Yeah. So it, it's like, yeah, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure Lucille and Des get out of this fine, and yeah. also like. She's also clearly not a communist. Yeah. Especially Des, her husband, because he was like the most America loving yeah. uh, immigrant. Like, it's that classic immigrant story of coming yeah. to America and making a name for himself and loving the country. Yeah. Like, the guy hated communism. I mean, they, they talk about this in the film, right? So it's just like he was writing it and he's like, oh boy. <laughs> well, it can't be just about this. What can yeah. I? I guess we're getting. And it's like halfway through, he's like, now we're going to make this about the marriage. Yeah. Well, he tried to, like, slip it in the beginning, remember? Because then he, yeah, cause he book well, he book another, ends it with the, the There's with another the fucking, bookend. There's the yes, bookend with, with the, the uh, napkin. With the napkin. Well, handkerchief. Excuse me, handkerchief. The handkerchief, like, yes. Okay, it's like, okay, this is Chekhov's handkerchief. Yes, correct. So you think you Which wrote Sorkin something good. Which does in fucking movies all the time, by the way. <sighs> so to your point— about him, that doesn't make uh, it good. People parading themselves or using the same devices over and over again. It's like that handkerchief's going to come back all the way at the end of the film, yeah. and it's just a becomes a nice little bow yeah. for how this is going to end. Yeah. Oh yeah, the handkerchief. By the way, at the beginning of the film. Uh, yeah, I I have another one. You clearly kissed a girl. Oh, she meant nothing. Yeah. Boom. Credits. Divorce. Not only is she meant okay. nothing, I fuck hookers, babe. Yeah. <laughs> They're just call girls. Right. Banging, banging two at a time like yeah. Fredo. But you, but you know what sucks? There are some, like, towards the end of the movie where it, it's leading up to that to the show, mm-hmm. and there's the she has the scene with Tony Hill where she asks him about, like, he confronts her about like save my marriage. Yeah, and he and actually I thought the best scene of the film where at the end, uh, they're in the dressing room together, and he's like, you know, you you told me to give away an EP credit like it was a parking spot. Yeah. Like, that's a great scene. So yeah. you have actual. Like, that's a scene where I'm like, man, if this whole film mm-hmm. was about this, like, this marriage and how it affected her and the show and the people around mm-hmm. her, like, that scene with the handkerchief at the end could have had a real payoff. Yeah. That scene could have worked. Yeah. And it did it. You know, and also another pr- problem with how this script is paced, uh, we go to the flashback scenes of how, like, her career was at RKO and her yeah. marriage in the early days with Desi. We go into that way too late into the story. Right. Well, that, yeah. That should have been early. Because then – because not only – because then that adds into the whole uh, – the third subplot is about, like, is Desi fucking cucked yeah. uh, professionally by Lucy? And so it comes so late. Everything – Well, the thing is, too, it, it, there's an incongruence <sighs> there where – I and I agree with you – where they go in the back, uh, the flashback, and he you could tell he's kind of uh, – you know, resentful that he's not getting parts and she is right. And she's becoming kind of the breadwinner. And then that's Mm -hmm. supposed to inform their relationship in the present Mm -hmm. in terms of that tension continuing to, even though he's the most powerful person. Yes. It's his production company. Yeah. It's his company. He's the star of the show. He's basically the head honcho with her. I mean, he's got legitimate power, legitimate respect. Then he shits on Oppenheimer about, you know, being patronized. Yeah. Because like, I know I'm the boss, so what the fuck? Yeah, so he's like, yeah, I know. The, like, I don't need the EP credit. So, like, <laughs> yeah. 
again, I'm like, that's not a, uh, yeah. that's not the dichotomy you're trying to make here. No. So like, that's the ma- that's the relationship actually flourishing. Mm-hmm. We're like, he should no longer be resentful at all. And again, there's no one of the most. Uh, when I was like taken aback, where she's like, give him the EP credit to save my marriage. Yeah. I'm like, wait, he's jealous of you? Where, where was that yeah. in the scene? Besides the flashbacks, yeah. which were still pretty fucking subtle. Yeah. Oh, no. The only, and, and the only time even... you hear is when she's drunk, when she got fired, and he was like, oh, at least you're getting jobs when he yeah. out, out in the pool. That's really the only time you see him actually like upset with her for being like a crybaby. Right. But otherwise, really in the present, he, there's no – it would be one thing if – he had scenes where he's like, I'm this TV actor and I have all this power, but really I wanted to be a movie star or, or, mm-hmm. or something. I wanted to be in films. There's not even that. He seems completely content where he is now. Like, he t- they turned it around. Yeah. He's fucking doing they the got mom- everything mambo. They yeah. Let the Cuban do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, this, this ain't working. And it's almost like Sorkin just kept writing it and he's just like, I'm going to power through and I get that. But – it's just the the focus was off, and it's almost like he he was hoping that it would work. Yeah, it would get to that conclusion. It would the payoff would be worth it. It's like he yeah. had these scenes in his head, which you know writers do. I do too. Yeah. I know you do. Like you have these scenes, like it's gonna end with the handkerchief. So like exactly, you know, so you have the bookends, and yeah. it's like how do I get there? And yeah. he just was like powered through to get there, and it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And he convinced himself that it did. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, that that was uh it's the story is all over the place. Yeah. Well, like the it's subplot the with Ethel, like and there are these There's, sub yeah. and the subplots <laughs> are interesting but like these are subplots also yeah. like for a TV show. That that's where I was going to go with you on this. This would have been a better like mini series of like 5 6 episodes yeah. on uh I love Lucy. Right. And this would have been like two episodes worth, and we go yeah through subplot it. with Ethel subplot with the with the female writer exactly you know so you just you wanted yeah. it's like he wanted to have his cake and eat it too and when you yeah. don't focus on anything it become excuse me it becomes lazy it's directionless yeah it's it's rudderless yeah. yeah so and it just becomes like this kind of hodgepodge of scenes with that classic Aaron Sorkin snappy dialogue yeah. tension back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Everyone um, everyone has a pithy comment. Exactly. Which Everyone's is fine, smart. whatever. That's Sorkin. But it's like pithy comments with no substance behind them. Yeah. Like, it's to get to where. Yeah, what was so, – where did we – like, re, like you said the Ethel uh, with Vivian Vance. Uh-huh. What – what where did that lead to? Yeah. I, I mean – it, it 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 didn't other even other than her at the end essentially acknowledging yeah maybe I should be a fat cow right like, what, what, what 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 happened like you here? were right uh, you know it, it didn't even necessarily reflect on who Lucy is really it didn't it, I I don't know I I didn't I it's, it's strange yeah it was just it's in a vacuum I get it yeah in the context of the film I don't get it. Well, they were I'm trying, like, why is this here? They were trying. Uh, like, you can make it a lot more subtle, like just have those subtleties in there. But you, you're given whole scenes about it. I think the subtext was always in all of these scenes because you always saw the fucking magazine around in these scenes. Uh-huh. Is that she's lashing out at everybody because she knows deep down in her heart that Desi is cheating on her, so she's going to be a fucking 
bitch to everybody about okay. everything. But it's it's not done well. It's and like sure. the subtext and, is like non-existent. And you're also intellectualizing that, right? So it's like you're rationalizing it after because it's the always fact. there. Exactly. But yeah. like you're trying. I, I and I I see what you're saying, but like I'm just saying. As an experience watching the film, we don't get that. No, I just like think I just think fact, Lucy's a bitch. Yeah, that's what I think. She just comes off like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she comes which is another thing too. Like, and I don't know if this is her fault, or whatever. I actually Nicole Kidman had some great scenes towards the end. For the most part, I thought she was like one note throughout the whole film. Okay. She played like one quality, which is I'm this tough, yeah, boss bitch, boss bitch that's not going to show my emotions. But like, it's like the stoic. Uh, I have that soft vulnerability under underneath, and yeah. she's and she's really not a, a bitch throughout the movie. You get the sense that she's a a good person. She cares about the people around her, and she tries not to be selfish, even though she can be, and she is a perfectionist. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of that's in the writing. But in terms of her performance, and I don't know if this is direction, writing, editing, I, I, it, it was like she just she was playing a quality of a person. Yeah. I got no sense of who she was. Up until the end, like that scene, why I love that scene with Tony Hale at the end where he's like, you told me to give the EP credit. Even when she's practicing that scene, when she calls in uh, Uh uh, Vivian Vance and fucking J.K. Simmons. Yeah, what's that character? What is the guy's real name? William? Sure. Uh, William William Frawley. Okay. When she calls him to – that's a good scene when she calls him at 2 o'clock in the morning. To redo because the subtext is there and it's good. It's yes, actually well that, done, and we get a sense of the pressure she has put on herself and her marriage to have this show do well. Right. So that's but another it's not throughout the movie. It's not throughout the film. So again, <laughs> what's frustrating <laughs> is that that could have actually been a, like just that scene as it is could have been brilliant. Yeah. Because of the payoff, it could have been. Yeah. In the preceding scenes, but because there wasn't a focus on. Yeah. Uh, this being about the marriage or being about the show, and it's and there's all these places that we're trying to look yeah. and pay attention to. Not only it, that, it loses its luster. It happens after the one night Desi is there at home. You know, bearing the weed here, but Desi is not really at home throughout this movie. Right, he's there like twice a week. So, the which one, is what the movie should be about, and yeah, isn't is sort of about at yeah. times. Yeah, and. So, like, when she's having all this pressure, it's the one day he's there and he's actually, like, being a father to the newborn. Right. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. It's very strange. It's just – I don't know. It's not what I would have done. That's that's all I'm right. saying. Um, let's, uh, what, let's talk about the acting. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, well, just to finish my point. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, the So, at the end, that last scene where he's, like – it's like every time, like yeah. so, when Ethel is like, oh, "I don't want to eat," blah blah blah, blah mm-hmm. um, and it, she would just be completely standoffish. Yes, Lucy. Like oh, that yeah. was the quality. Like it was just standoffish, yeah. like completely stone. Like it, and it wasn't in. To me, it wasn't compelling. It was just stubborn and uh, uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just like this one quality that's being played over and over. Mm-hmm. And then it got broken up. In that Tony, in the scene at the end mm-hmm. with Oppenheimer, uh, and he's like, you know, you you just wanted me to give away the EP credit yep. for your sake of your marriage, like you asked me to, do. and she actually gets vulnerable and she's like, basically like, yeah, I fucked up, sorry, yeah. and I'm like, God, where was that throughout the film? Yeah. So that was one where I'm like, oh, that was really well acted, which, you know, the- she shows no empathy for the female writer. Remember that one scene where she's talking to them. 
and she, she talks it winds up and this is another ham-fisted Aaron Sorkin and he's talking about different generations yeah 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 she has no like there's no empathy there there's no nothing there it's just like uh well we're gonna do what I wanna do right and it's, that's it's it. just her being that yeah stoic boss chick exactly and boss that's lady which uh, you know is fine yeah but it's not the most compelling it's like we've seen no. you do this constantly for the the, the whole, whole film. movie it's a whole movie can we change it up can yeah. we see because like you have other sides you're a human being yeah there are other parts of you yeah so like and the and here's the thing too when you have a character or a person the the way i talk to you and i'm around you is going to be different than anybody else yeah. at least subtly yeah it's like Absolutely. lucy was the same exact way with every single person no matter who it was mm-hmm. from her husband to the pa to the mm-hmm. producer uh, you know barring some exceptions towards the end of the film yeah for the like even the handkerchief at the end of the film where she's like this was the other one like she's actually kind of desperate with him like to admit it yeah. like she actually breaks a little bit i'm like okay yeah, yeah that's where like that's a specific relationship you're showing with your husband otherwise mm-hmm. it's like i could just take the way you're talking and put it put you against any other person in the film and you would talk the exact same way mm-hmm. and it's not human no. it's yeah, i wouldn't do that yeah it's uh, again it's one note and it's not compelling mm-hmm. no I, and it I, doesn't ring true no no because even then even everyone else's character is written and acted differently they all you see different sides of them yeah with different people i mean bardem i think was the best in the film i i really thought he carried the movie i know mm-hmm. not everybody agrees with that but i really liked him in the film okay I'm gonna, we'll go we'll, no no we'll go gen, I want to go general and then I will I'll, we'll go into the micro performances. So this movie was nominated for three Oscars uh-huh. all for its acting. You have Nicole Kidman for best actress, Bardem for best actor, and J.K. Simmons for best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the problem I have with the act. It's I think it wasn't a terribly acted movie. I thought it was pretty good. The problem I have with this movie is that. The woman who plays Vivian Vance and Nicole Kevin, who's playing Lucille Ball, um, they're essentially doing uh, – they're miming these real people. Right. So it's – it's yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not saying that as like a bad thing. I'm not judge- – like like I think uh, like Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles is very good. Um, but it's an impersonation. So yeah. you, have, you have two people doing really good impersonations, right? Um, sounding like them uh trying to move like them you know right. the, the whole nine and then you have harvey or bardem who is 20 years older than what desi's supposed to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this like and this is important I mean, bardem is what like 54 He's or 50 something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and this is important because you know uh kevin spacey got shat on for being bobby darren right you know it's the same fuck he's like actually kevin spacey i think was younger like his, he was closer to Bobby Darren's age uh-huh. than what Javier Bardem is to Desi at this stage, right? And he doesn't sound like Desi. He doesn't look like Desi. They didn't even try to make him look like Desi. It's the charisma of Desi. He he does right. really well. And then you have J.K. Simmons, who's really good in the movie. I think he looks, sounds. Every, he's well, he's J.K. Simmons. It's not William Frawley. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with I have with this movie. So you're having like these people seem like they're the real people, and then the men is 
it's it's like a, it's a contrasting it's of almost, acting styles, and it's, it's almost it takes like me two, out. They're in two it different films. Yes, like J.K. Simmons and Javier Bardem are in different films, and Nina Ariadne and very strange. I think that's thing. how you say your name, and uh, and Nicole Kidman. I didn't like that. I did because it, it was I'm because it was like watching two different acting styles constantly. Yeah, and, it, and it's really I didn't like it. I I agree, and this is my. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I prefer, I tend to prefer the second one. I tend to prefer where... Yeah, you want to get the essence of... I want the there. essence. So, yeah. like, I think Steve Jobs is a great example of that. Uh, Michael Fassman, I think, is fantastic in that film. Mm-hmm. He's not... But he's not impersonating Steve Jobs. No, he doesn't sound like him. He, he doesn't, doesn't sound look like, like him. him. <laughs> doesn't look like he's way too jacked. Yeah. Way too handsome. <laughs> like, he looks like he fuck everybody up in the film. But... <laughs> Don't fuck with me with my turtleneck on. <laughs> yeah. But, like... To the point where I'm like, man, you guys really like made him look too like you should have hit his muscles. Well, yeah. Well, what about like the the night the like the '80s like power suit he's wearing and he looks fucking enormous. Yeah. Well, like and then he's <laughs> even when he takes the shirt off and he's got the t-shirt on yeah. and, and like puts the gun to his head. I'm like, holy shit, the guy looks like a superhero. But he really gets the essence, yeah. I think, of Steve Jobs. Yes. And I know Wozniak. Yeah. I mean, he was like a consultant on the film, so maybe he's biased, but he's like, you know he really got who Steve was. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Seth Rogen does a really good job in that film. And I, I've seen interviews with Wozniak as well. Like he, he doesn't sound like Wozniak. He's no, it's like DiCaprio with the Wolf of Wall Street. Right. Looks it, sounds nothing like Jordan Belfort. Yeah. But like you get, you, it's the essence of the character exactly. and you get the essence of a real guy who yeah. isn't DiCaprio, who isn't Seth Rogen, who isn't Michael Fassbender. Yeah. That's why I like Bardem in it. And I think, yeah, I completely agree with you, and it's almost like Nicole Kim in that one note thing. It's like she found the way that, in her mind, Lucille mm-hmm. Ball spoke and acted like that stoic way, and she was so careful. It's almost like the performance was this piece of fine china, which if you move too much, it could break. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, that's because she had all that makeup on, right? <laughs> which did not look. We're going to talk about that's that. That's another a one. <laughs> Where and so. So it's this piece of fine china where, like, if I step too outside the zone that I found, mm-hmm. I'm no longer going to be doing the performance that I want to do. So that, to me, is what kept it one note because she was so self-conscious about embodying a real person or impersonating mm-hmm. a real person, to use that word. And so I completely agree with you. I thought that I, – I didn't see it so much in, in – Nina, who played Ethel, but uh, she she but I, she was also really good in it. But she actually it was a, she was impersonating Vivian Vance, and it, she did yeah. a very good job at it. Uh, it. But like, yeah, the two men. Yeah, it, it's just it, no. it's very it is it's it it is a bit jarring. It's strange. So it's strange. the scenes with her that's why and that's what made a lot of scenes with her and Javier a bit jarring. Not every scene, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good way to put it. And I just said it, so yeah, I'm complimenting myself. But uh, like that, they're in two different films. Like you'll yeah. and you'll see this in movies. You'll see this in TV shows. Yeah, where two actors, I'm like, I don't know what show you're in, but it ain't the show, same show that guy's in. No, you know, it's it, it's, it's you know, a, you know, you can't put Michael Scott in the show Billions. Yeah. Like Steve Carell is a great comedic actor, but like you'd be like, this guy doesn't belong in this show. Yeah. So, so like, it's sort of the same if anyone, in this film. Yeah, if anyone listening to this has like Paramount, I don't have Paramount Plus, but if anyone does, put on I Love Lucy, then put on this movie, and you're gonna be like, wow, yeah, they're they're right. saying the truth. Like it's really it's it's really weird. It's two different styles in two different movies, and it's just it's 
it's very the contrast is too much from it was too much for me because yeah. it, it's not like the regular biopic where it's like oh the one person who's anchoring the movie is impersonating and it's like people around his life who we don't we don't know who we don't know Ray Charles's mom right you know yeah, so yeah. we don't give a shit we don't even really know Wozniacki we don't know Andy exactly the, the Andes you know exactly so it's like that's fine his daughter whatever we are talking about four of like TV's most famous people right. in America for, ever for years. Yeah. And we have two people impersonating it and two people being kind of themselves, but trying to have the essence of who these people are. Right. It's just strange for me. That's all I'm saying. Maybe other people like it. I didn't like it. That's for me. My yeah. opinion. Uh, I, I <clears throat> pretty much agree with you. And I don't want to, I don't like to shit on that. Uh, Actors too much because it's um, unless they're really bad and uh, like because there's a lot that goes into a performance. There's editing. There's mm-hmm. the writing. There's the style. There's them how they were directed. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like when you're a movie star like Nicole Kidman or have you brought him like no one's mm-hmm. fucking telling you what to do. And and maybe that's which is to say that like it it was completely within your control probably mm-hmm. or or a lot of it anyway. Um, she, but maybe, but also at the same time, I guess that that could be a detriment because you know no one's gonna tell Nicole Kidman on set like, hey, like Aaron Sorkin for example might not say like, hey, can you change it up a bit? Yeah, you know, like uh, like be freer, like you mm-hmm. know, just play with it. Don't don't worry so much about doing the voice and doing them and doing those mannerisms. You found those mannerisms are great. They're gonna come up. Yeah. Like you you practiced it. Well, she nails when she's seeing. The uh, the scenes for I Love Lucy when they cut to the black and white scenes, she she nails it. Well, she also looks like Lucy. This is the thing we'll about the about, makeup. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Because she looks like Lucy and she actually acts like Lucy. She is great in the black and white scenes, and the black and white scenes she looks the most like Lucy. Yes, she looks like Lucy. She looks like her. But I mean, I was the makeup's terrible. Taken aback when I first when they showed her. I was like, did Nicole Kidman get like really bad plastic surgery? It looks, like it was scary. It looks like like I felt bad. For Madame her. Tussaud of Lucille Ball was put near an oven, right? Yeah, and her head. You know, Wild Palooza, yeah, the the, the, the lollipop with the huge head, like like Selena, uh, yes, like yeah, Selena yeah. Gomez, right? That's what she looked like. Yeah, she's a giant fucking head. She has a mutant head because they put fucking 20 pounds of makeup and plastic shit on her head to make her look like lucy for the black and white scenes and also i'm gonna say this is another important reason but lucy was actually i don't want to say a bombshell but she was very voluptuous Uh nicole kim is not a voluptuous woman she's very skinny so like that's another reason why i think they had to put all that fucking shit on her head and it looked like if you like a bobblehead if you hit her in the head she'd just fucking tumble over yeah she was very skinny. It that it's. But wait, why do you say that they needed to put the shit on her head to make up for the fact that she's skinny? Like because like she doesn't look like her, so we got to make sure her face looks we, like her. We, I think they wanted to make her really look like Lucille Ball during those black and white scenes, which she does. Right. But they kept it on for the regular filming, and it made her look like a freak. She looked like a freak. She did. Looked like bad, really bad plastic surgery. Yeah, it looked and like just, it looked like someone put like twenty Botox in her, injected yeah. into her, like right then and there, because she can't fucking and move her, her and face. Her face blew up. Yeah. Like, so and you just and you could you, tell she has a bunch of shit on her. That's right. You know. So that to me was 
super jarring. Yeah. That took about – It's bad. I'm going to say 10 minutes for me to stop talking about it. <laughs> and eventually you just kind of forget, you know, like, you, okay, like you just accept, your brain accepts it. Yeah, it's crazy. But it, it, it was scary to the point where, like, I was scared for Nicole Kim. I'm like, she has gotten some bad plastic elephant, surgery. Elephant man. Yeah, th- I, like Mickey Rourke <laughs> level. Like, did you Mickey Rourke your face? Uh, yeah. But thankfully for her, I guess, it was, you know, it was just bad makeup. It's terrible makeup. It's it's honestly one of the worst, like, makeup jobs I've seen it's in a very good. long time. And the prosthetics are terrible. Yeah. It's rough. It's I can't. And you did, again, it, like again, going back to you talking about the contrasting acting styles, it's like contrasting makeup styles yeah. where it's like you didn't care that Bardem looks nothing like Desi. Looks nothing like Desi Arnaz. So why uh, – Tony Hill looks nothing like Oppenheimer. No. Uh, so uh, J.K. Simmons does look – I mean he's bald. He's, he's bald just a bald old, old guy. Uh, Ninira Adney looks a lot like Ethel. Yeah. She just looks like her. Yep. But otherwise, uh, that writer was a real writer. Go from Rest of Development. That's a real yeah. – These are real all real women. Real people. She doesn't look like her because I looked her up. Mm-hmm. They look nothing alike. Yeah. So why did you put <laughs> so much emphasis and effort in trying to really put all this makeup on to make sure she looks like Lucy? Just do it for the black and white scenes and we wouldn't notice. No one would notice and no one would care. But, but like, no one gives a shit even – we know it's not Lucille Ball. No, I know, I get it. But I'm just we saying, know. like, if you're car- if you're going for that, okay, fine. But then they just, the fact that they just kept it out on her, and yeah, I, I, it's weird. And the lighting didn't help either, because like the lighting. No, like, that's what makes it so it's, goddamn it, jarring. She looks plastic because it like yeah. bounces off her, like the, the giant scary head. It, <laughs> she looks like a clown, like a clown murderer. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. It's really bad. So. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know how you're on set and you're like, this is going to work. I, I guess they don't have a choice at this point. They're like, they're on set looking her in real life. Be like, Ooh, that doesn't look good. But like, maybe it'll look better on camera. Oh, it doesn't look too good on camera. But like, if we edit it and. Uh, yeah. Didn't you look at the dailies and be like, oh, man, this is just not going to work. Yeah. But at that point, what do you do? I don't know. You just march forward and. You just march forward. And, you know, we convince ourselves of lots of things. We just, you know, you don't. They didn't de- they didn't fucking bleach Javier Bardem's skin white. I know. Cuz you know Desi's a light-skinned yeah, Cuban. Cuban guy, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um you brought up a thing that um we'll touch upon just really quickly. Uh what was the point of the mockumentary stuff in the beginning that There's another one. Okay. A B C D E plots, right? What was the point R- of that? This is what E now? What was, what the, was point? the fucking point? Again, it's a way of adding. I don't get it. <laughs> I believe. To I'm gonna keep going with my theory because I think my theory is correct. <laughs> of Sorkin needing to add stakes, and if you interview these people in the in the future, mm-hmm. it like adds historical weight to it. Like yeah. this is sig- this is important. Yeah. At you first, I thought that was shit. actually a real. I thought thing. that too. I thought those that was real. Well, I thought they were, and then I knew it wasn't. By the time we got to it again, but when it first happened in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah." And then I, because also I was like, because when they showed Oppenheimer, I knew Tony Hale was playing Oppenheimer. So I'm like, "Well, this guy looks nothing like Tony Hale." <laughs> yeah. So they're not even trying to age him. So this must be the real guy. Yeah. And it's, it's not. Exa- no. <laughs> it's just an actor. No. No. It's same, same. But then when they showed the writer uh, the in the future. I knew it was 
wasn't real because I because she's uh, I, I recognized her yeah. as an actress. But what about they even answered at the end when they show the mockumentary people at the end when they say, um, what was your question again? Right. So what was the whole fucking point of having these mockumentary like uh, in like and it's. What was the point of it? Because it's also a stylistic. We're talking about a stylistic choice now, too. Right. What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Because if you're going to have a mockumentary, you, you got to like keep again, this going then. And even if there's like the lazy argument of he just wanted a lazy narrative device to explain away certain things that he didn't have time to show. But even then, nothing they really said was all that important. You did, You could do without it. The only thing was the the writer talking about their marriage a bit you know and how he was never home and blah 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 but like we got that already yeah you know there were it didn't add anything it didn't even and what i mean by add anything it didn't even add any more context really mm-hmm. it didn't add any more information really that we needed to know yeah um you know what i actually i wish the story actually talked about a little bit more and they totally glossed this over and i think it's actually not only a it's an important, important, excuse me, an important part of like American media, and I'll tell you why. We had a white woman in the fucking fifties, right? Right. Married to a Hispanic Cuban, yeah. and that's on television. Which they talk about in the film. Barely though. Barely. Once. That's a that's an F plot. The that's one. F plot. The, but it's one scene. We see her fight for him a little bit, but. You don't really see a lot of fight back from them being like, we really can't have this. Right. That would have been a more – if we went into that more, that would have been really interesting. And it's just like – and that's an important – it's important, I think. And for it to like be just like, oh, we have to acknowledge that this was important, but we're we're not going to talk about it because this doesn't interest me. Yeah. Even though not what my even, movie's about. even though it would probably serve the story really well because it would talk about how like she fucking got him this shot and maybe he felt me if even if it's not true if we're just going to do the based on a true story thing yeah. why didn't we put this why wasn't that talked about more yeah I mean I uh, I agree I actually forgot about that scene um, yeah it's just like it's just there it seems like a, a scene that Sorkin's like I. We have to talk about this, or I like this, and I'm just going to write a scene about it and fucking jam into the film. I'll find someplace. Them going through her getting her shot at RKO to getting fired to doing the radio show for Oppenheimer to them liking her um, to do the, what, My Husband Show, whatever the fuck it was called, for CBS, and then her getting Desi in. That feels like that should be the movie. And it was yeah. put in really quickly for 15 minutes for backstory that really, I guess, really wasn't needed, though. And that's the movie's really that. It should have been that. And I hate doing that because that's kind of like Armand White criticism. It, you know, About what the movie should be. And, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I don't like that. But, like, that's really what yeah, the but drama I, I mean, is. really what you're saying is, is, like, that movie is in this movie. That's in the script. This script could have been that. And or at least fucking talked about a lot more to have it just be bunched in, thrown in towards the end of the second uh, second act of the film. 
it it, it comes across as throwaway, and it's that's to well, me. Well, comes across of having good. it. It's him trying to glue together parts that he doesn't know how to connect yet. So he comes because up with it a should have been a miniseries. Yeah, and you could and <laughs> that's why if it was a miniseries, series. you would have had all of this could have worked. Yes, yeah, could allow this to breathe. You know, you could have given Ethel and her real uh, stakes in their scenes. You could have, you know, even the scene with J.K. Simmons coming in the bar. I thought was a fun scene. Yeah, telling and and getting her to go home. You know, th- that could have been a whole episode. It's just you can't have your cake and eat it too in a film. Yeah, yeah. it didn't know what to, this movie just does, does not know what to be. One of the last things we can talk about here before uh, you know we can end our talk about <laughs> this. rant. Yeah. yeah, it's not even, like we're not even shitting on it too bad. Like I think we could be a lot. We're no, being easy well, on this. This um, is one of those films. Uh, I mean, to your point about uh, I keep saying that uh, about cliffhanger just being yeah. a terrible film. It's and that's also just fun to talk about. Yeah. But what's yeah. what's frustrating about this movie? It should have been good. Yeah, it could have been a really good film. Yeah, there's there's really good writing in it. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm and especially hearing that Aaron Sorkin tried to get it made for years and it was a baby his. I mean, that's that's a bit of a yeah, tragedy. No, he's been trying to make this movie for a very long time. Yeah. So you're and I'm watching this. I'm like, and again, those scenes like in the bar or with Oppenheimer at the end, or you know. A couple of the flashback scenes I really liked where I'm like, man, that's a really good scene. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. No. You know, also doesn't it's, work. It's like the Howard Hawks uh, quote, your various quote about uh, what makes a great film. He's no. like, uh, three great scenes, no bad ones. <laughs> right? Yeah. So there are a, a couple. Yeah. Uh, I would say there's. I thought the scene at the end was like a great scene okay. with her and personally. Um, that's really the only great scene in the film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very good scenes, or maybe not a lot, but there's a number of very good scenes, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, maybe not the whole way through, but good nuggets. And then yeah. there's bad scenes. Yeah. No scene is, like, poorly written, though. I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't know. I'm getting I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, they, they didn't – the thing is they – it's almost like a thing it's this is weird because it's not going to really make sense but so he knew the end point but d- he didn't really know the end point yeah well it's all he th- it's like almost he thought he knew the end points well even in that master class right? I, I know that doesn't make Sorkin, sense but. oh well i, I let, let's try to parse it out he talks about and i do this one all right but like he talks about writing and he'll write I think he said when we talked yeah, about this the isn't this president. isn't Butch this isn't Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right. That's a that's a real script. <laughs> so it's like he wrote he'll write four hundred pages and cut it down to two, which means he, this guy yeah. does a lot of discovery writing. Yeah. Right. So he had that endpoint yeah. and he's doing his discovery writing and he likes where it's going, but at some point you got to realize like oh shit the endpoint I initially had in mind mm-hmm. isn't working anymore. Yeah. Um. And again, I'm making shit up. I have no idea if this is. Just, I'm trying to get into the thought process of a really, you know, a, a pretty brilliant writer. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. just how it felt. That's how the sh- movie feels when I watch it. We all have our misses. Yeah. And this is his miss. It seems like you know. Well, it, other than uh, what uh, Studio Ninety by the Sunset Script, Studio so, Sixty, so, whatever Studio Shit, which I never watch. Yeah, d- d- neither did America, John. Yeah, because it lasted a season or whatever. 
<laughs> but uh, I mean, and like, listen, he's not the best director. I mean, no, Molly's Game. I is, uh, it, Trial of the Chicago Seven wasn't. I like that film, but I thought but that, mo- noticed, that movie was made in the editing room. Well, I was about to say, you know, that movie is edited exactly like the Soldier Network. Yeah, like I don't. I, I would actually be interested to look up if it's, it's the same editor. editor. Uh, he really takes from Fincher there, and it works. I'm not. I'm not criticizing. Oh yeah, the, the beginning. The beginning of that movie is, is amazing. I think. Yeah, I think it's a very good film, <clears throat> yeah. and a very well written screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Molly's Game was a well written film. I never saw it, so I can't comment. It's it's good. Uh, it's not. The directing is. The editing's awkward. It, it, it's just uh, some amateur hour going. Every on. writer wants to be a director. I can just tell you that. Well, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> we all Sorkin apparently directors. said for years that he never wanted to be a director. Yeah, and then, he hit, then he hit 50, and he was like, I'm yeah, going to fucking take control of this shit. Exactly, yeah. That's true. It all happens. Um, before we go, uh, we didn't talk about any lines, but this this line has to be talked about because uh, yeah. it's, it's a fucking doozy, guys. Um, it's when it's near the end. Um, she, you know, she was a Jagger Hoover miraculously uh and publicly said she's not a communist so Voice that's great Jagger yep. Hoover. yep she is not a communist yeah and then thank uh, you god they're celebrating which they should okay this is great oh yeah. we're backstage it's good good um and then she whips out the the napkin and you know are, are you cheating on me no 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 whatever she whips out the other napkin this is my whipstick oh okay yeah i've been fucking whores <laughs> yeah but in between all that, she says, don't gaslight me. Oh, you're right. This needs to be talked about because uh, I I think the show was, what, 1956 or some shit like that. Gaslight came out in 1946? Oh, uh, no, Gaslight, I think, came out in 1940 or 41. Okay. Now, uh, if people don't know, because pe- I think people use the word gaslight without knowing where it actually came from. Yeah. Gaslight is a really – it was a play – but it's actually a really good movie starring Charles Boyer, who I, um, this this is it's actually a, important. It, it, she he was actually friends with Lucille Ball. They were friends. He was uh, a very big, uh, you know, back in those days you'd have the um, uh, like famous cameos in these like uh-huh. things. He was a famous cameo, and I love Lucy. Oh, they were really good friends. Um, and it's a, a Hitchcock. It's a Hitchcock film. No, isn't it? No, Yes, no. Light is not a Hitchcock. Film. No, I don't believe so. Check, check that. I'm look that up I don't think it's talking, not. But, you but might, it stars Ingrid Bergman. You seem like you know more than me about this. It's, uh, I, it's a great movie. It's Ig- Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton, who I love Joseph Cotton. Yeah. Love that guy. And Charles Boyer. And Charles Boyer is uh, the villain. You're right. It was George Cukor. Okay. Um, and it comes from that movie. And it's about uh, this heiress, um, Mary's uh, ne'er-do-well a villain who's Charles Boyer and he uses the gaslight to drive her insane. And right. so he can steal the fortune that he hid in the attic. Uh-huh. So yes, people knew what gaslight was in 1950 something because it was, it was nominated for a bunch of Academy awards. I think Ingrid Bergman won best actress for it. Okay. And I know Boyer was nominated and I know it was nominated for best picture. Um, I mean, that co- was not a colloquial term. <laughs> well, let just me just thrown read, about. Let me just read what Wikipedia says. You know, the term is derived from the forty-four film forty-four, okay, 44. Okay. Gaslight. Gaslighting was largely an obscure or esoteric term until the mid two thousand tens. Yeah, 
broadly seat that you English guys got, which is checks out. I haven't, I, I didn't hear that term uh, until like five people, six years ago. And anyone who used it is people who fucking watched Gaslight and no one else knew what the hell they were talking about when they right. fucking said it. Yeah, well, people said, I, I've not seen the film. I knew it was based on the film. I recommend it. Um, and I knew of the movie before yeah. the term. Uh, but yeah, you know, now Gaslighting has its own meaning. It doesn't have to, yeah. you don't always have to. Yeah. You know, it's just an etym- the etymolog- etymological origin now is always going to be that movie. Lucio Ball didn't use that in De- to Desi Arnaz. No, that's a, that's an anachron that's an anachronism. Uh, yes, it it fuck. I was like, what the fuck did she just say? Yeah, that's what I, I looked at it. I'm that's like, a, that's a stupid fucking line. It was really bad. It's a dumb fucking. Don't thing. gaslight yeah. me. Yeah, with that voice too. And I was just like, it took me. It's like Sorkin trying to be one of the cool kids. Oh my god. I I'm cool, aren't I, kids? I, I have social media. I, I hope people care. who watched this, when they're like, if they're not taken aback when they see it, you, you're a liar, because right. it's just like you're. They do actually a good job of saying this is the period time. The, the the production value like makes you actually feel like it's the 50s. So it's like yeah. okay, okay, we're good, we're good. And then she says that it's like whoa, 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 whoa. And now everything after that, I was I just kept thinking about how she used. She said gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to let it go, but you actually you warned me. Actually, no, I can't. Before I, before I can't I watched, let it go. I was able to let it go because before you, I watched the film. You said she uses the term gaslight. Oh yeah, I you told Fucking me that. So I was prepared. When so it, bad when it hit me, I just sounded funny. So you already bad. warned me about it. So fucking bad. Oh, I hated it. Uh, do you have anything else uh, to add about this? Um, no. It had. It, you know, <laughs> I will say I was more interested. I. It did because I didn't know much about Lucille. Uh, you know, I I know, I don't know, an average amount, I guess. I knew how popular the show was. Mm-hmm. I knew how popular Lucille Ball was. I know a little bit about her. She's got an interesting upbringing with, uh, you know, fun fact. She was in the same acting class with Betty Davis. Oh, wow. And Betty Davis was the best actress in the class. No and shit. And Lucille Ball was the worst. Apparently, the teacher told her you're never going to be an actress because she was so shy. Oh, well, it's like saying Al Pacino. What was it? Uh, Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman would never cu- cut it. Well, yeah. Gene Hackman's famously, yeah. he got kicked out of school. And then he said uh, he was like working at an ice cream shop. And an <laughs> acting teacher walked in. He's like, I told you, Hackman, you'd never make it. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And Hoffman said, uh, Hoffman did a game. They were at the same acting school. And they were like, why, oh, did, okay. why did they think Gene Hackman sucked? And he was like, he was so naturalistic. It was like he didn't. Do it, it, they were like he's not doing anything because he looked like he was sixty and he was twenty. Yeah. I mean, I think Gene Hackman was a brilliant. Oh yeah, actor. I love Gene Hackman. I'm just saying. Like, no, no, he, I know. Oh, he yeah. looked old. I mean, he didn't get. He didn't even hit. Big, and now we're going off a tangent, but he yeah, didn't hit real. big until what? Bonnie and Clyde. He was what, like forty something? Yeah, forty. He's like ninety something. So yeah, he had to be almost forty at least. He was old. Yeah. He was old. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that that Lucille Ball was considered the worst actress. Yeah, I mean, it's a little anecdote, you know what yeah. I mean? Basically, the teacher's like, you suck, don't act. Like, she, you know, it was, a, wow. it was a class, and she was last, mm. you know. Uh, I want to say – I wanted to say Stella Adler, but that's too – that's – Adler was later, mm-hmm. some some other teacher. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I was – I didn't know anything about Des, really, just mm-hmm. a little bit. I You know, I didn't know how influential he was on that show. Oh, yeah. So that was really interesting. Looking that guy up, he's a fascinating person. They had a fascinating relationship. Uh, it's so almost it, like Jerry Lewis. Him and Jerry Lewis created film techniques that well, that's people a, don't 
like no. Well, that's what I mean. Going back to how successful Des was and how important he was to the show, they were talking about how he designed the camera setups. Yeah, I'm like, this show couldn't exist without this guy. Yeah. What does he have to be resentful about? Nothing. And he's not resentful. No, also, he's not. he nope. doesn't even act resentful in the film. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, like Lucy, it sounds like you're making a mountain of a molehill here. It sounds yeah. like he's doing fine. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a positive from mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. There are some good scenes in it. There is a good movie in in that script. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just didn't. It just it need it needed to be reworked or focused or expanded into a miniseries or a series or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, but at a, you know at a ten, I want to. Uh, you know, it's not an awful film. I'll, I'll give it a five and a half. I'll give it a five point. Nine out of ten. Oh, we're doing the bar stool. We're, oh yeah, we're yeah, doing the pizza. Yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah, the pizza yeah. one. Uh, I'm gonna do four point six. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say less than than average. Okay. Not. I'm gonna say not badly. I don't think. Wait, wait. Less. So l- let's talk a little bit about the the system. I don't think five point nine is average. I think it's a failing grade. Do you know what I mean? Okay. All right. I think an average film is like six point six or six point seven personally i mean this is how so okay well, let's be on the, yeah let's be on the same page about this so like a 59 percent is not a good so if you you're okay. gonna we're gonna so then we'll do let's ro- go with like let's tomatoes. go tomatoes yeah 60 percent 60 percent in which case i'll give it all right so let's go with rotten tomatoes okay. let's backtrack yep rotten tomato score 53 i'll give it 49 yeah okay 49. we're in the ballpark um all right so I'll, I'll leave with this question and then before we go um the next episode will be uh robin hood prince of thieves prince of thieves fucking yes so we're going from, <clears throat> we're going from a, a terrible film to uh, a talented film that <laughs> fails a really bad movie to a, another <laughs> terrible film um but it might be a pattern here yeah yeah this is what we're gonna do um who did Cuban Pete better? Javier Bardem being in the Cardos or Jim Carrey in the mask? <laughs> Who's Cuban Pete? The song he sings. They call me Cuban, Cuban Pete. Pete. Oh! Yeah. Uh, Go chick chicka boom chick chicka boom chick Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's better. Yeah, I agree. Mask. I agree. Yes. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, when I was in first grade, I was the mask. And I fucking wore some the fucking black sombrero. Yeah, the, I had the mirage. You had, I had the a, I had a fucking yellow suit. And you had the flower, yeah. like the puffy sleeves. Yeah. I loved that scene. I loved I love that scene. The too. Cuban Pete. I, I love that it. movie. But yeah, Javier Bardem did a good Cuban Pete though, because I, I like that song. I listen to it a lot. So, all right, I do like that song, and I I I, I really liked. Har- I thought Javier Bardem yeah carried the film through for me. Yeah. Um. And I, I do love Aaron Sorkin as a writer. I love. I actually love Steve Jobs. I could. Wa- I think the dialogue in that really lends to like Sorkin style. Really lent to that film. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just. But the editing was spot on in that movie. The directing. It's just like to me that was a perfect recipe of ingredients mm-hmm. on all sides mm-hmm. uh, in terms of writing, editing, acting, directing. Because uh, I'm a big Danny Boyle fan too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's not the only movie of his that I like, but like that that's a recent film of his, relatively recent that I just I really like that film. Yeah. That film is one of my favorite films of the last, you know, 10 oh, wow. years. Okay. I, it's just a film I could always put on. I I just uh, It was also on scenes. Netflix a lot. Is it still yeah. on Netflix? 
It's on. I don't know. It's okay. on one of the streaming channels. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, again, next episode: Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring the great Kevin Costner. Who, by the way, yeah. just real quick, because <laughs> we're gonna end up shitting on him. Oh yeah. I'm watching Yellowstone right now. Does a good job, man. <laughs> I thought he's. I think he does a really good job on Yellowstone. He put. I mean, the characters just. They don't. They don't make him do okay. too much. We, they understand yeah. him. <laughs> there are limitations to Kevin Costner. Yes. But when he's <laughs> acted within his limits, and like now he's older, he's like letting his belly hang out. He's not as <laughs> probably. He's eating his nachos after he, yeah, after he like, gets high. You know, he's not as, you know, he's probably a little more humble. He's not so worried or self-conscious about being like a movie star. Like, yeah. it works in the show. He does it. He does a good job. Do you watch Yellowstone? No, no. I I, I wanted it. to, but I, it's just one of the, there's so much shit there's out so there. There's so much man. shit. And I, you have to pick and choose. Yeah. But. I just watch. I started watching it because, uh, and I have my criticisms of the show, but uh, like some of the times of writing, I'm like, this is like, doesn't really make sense. But I love Taylor Sheridan. He's another great writer. Love him. Great so, writer. and I'm always, I'm always looking another actor him. turned writer. Turned writer. Love Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sicario. Have you seen Wind River? Yeah. Oh, I've seen it really four times. Film. Yeah, so that's an underrated like, movie. If you, it, very underrated. If you like Wind River, you'll like Yellowstone because it's about okay. Indian reservations in Montana. Okay. Uh, it, it's a big part of the, the, show. Okay. Um, so the movie we just talked about, being the Ricardos, it's on Amazon Prime. So yep. please watch it. You know, after you hear this, um, or don't. Or don't. But you know, at least you'll understand what we're talking about. You know, and it's, you know, sometimes I feel like people should at least try and watch these movies because then because listen, we'll end it with the We'll end it with this. Um, It is an Oscar bait movie. Being the Ricardos is an Oscar bait movie. Yeah. But um, the finances of Oscar bait movies have changed so much. Uh, this movies like this will not be released in movie theaters anymore because they're not tent poles. They're not yeah. um, superhero movies. They're not. They're not going to make. They don't care about movies that make a hundred million dollars anymore. They want to make four hundred million dollars and up. So I, I feel like people should at least give these movies a chance on streaming so they can still be made. I agree. So um, you know, give it a watch. Even if you don't like it, you watch it one time on a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. You never have to see it again. So that's that's all I'm saying. All right. Okay, great. I think it's a great way to end it. All right. Uh, We'll see you guys next episode. See you next time. (laughs) Bye. Or listen to you next time. (laughs)